the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. How you guys doing this morning? It's all good in the hood, baby. Good it's over here, good too, Doc. So everything's fine Yeah, so hey, far. listen, Ken, I got some feedback, man. Really? No kidding. I'm hearing my voice. Well, let me, uh, there we go, there we go. There, there, I pushed the wrong button the, there. There we go, all right. <laughs> we so don't believe the amount of buttons I have in front of me, Doc. I know, it's hard for you. <laughs> Especially uh, on a listen, Sunday. I'm going to send you some of that medicine for Alzheimer's disease and see if that <laughs> <laughs> will help you. Well, all talk right, about so, that at the office. Don't worry about it. Well, now, we got a lot of hopeful things going on, though. I wanted to tell you about the – I know everybody's sick of hearing about coronavirus, but uh, I've got a, a couple of hopeful things, and then I'm going to talk about why it's time for Anthony Fauci to go uh, and the mistakes that he's made uh, – and, you know, you can't blame uh, the politicians because they're not scientists. They don't know. They don't know about whether a mask works or not. They just listen to their, quote, quote, experts at their various departments and uh, and take their advice and hope it's for the best. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later in the show. But first, I want to tell you that the, the hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, everybody's talking about that these days. Yeah, yeah, that's the... Uh, that's the uh, Plaquenil that we use for autoimmune diseases. It's an old-time uh, anti-malarial drug. Malaria is a very primitive animal, uh, unicell, one-celled animal that attacks our red blood cells and causes uh, a lifelong illness if not treated properly. And, of course, a lot of the malaria bugs are now resistant to the Plaquenil, but we found another use for it as an anti-inflammatory. So we use it in things like rheumatoid arthritis and uh, lupus and uh, inflammatory bowel disease. But it seems to have some action against this virus. And the theory is that it alters the acid-base balance inside of our cells and makes it hard for uh, for the virus to replicate inside of our cells. The viruses are depended upon their obligate uh, intracellular uh, replicators. So they, they can't replicate, they can't duplicate, they can't multiply, they can't uh, divide and make their own uh, babies without being a parasite in another cell. Uh, so it's, it's not considered a life form as yet. It's a, like a pro-life form. A virus is a proto-life form because basically it's just a, a package of genetic material, either DNA or RNA, and it manipulates the cell that it invades to, uh, 
to make more little baby viruses. So at any rate, the hydroxychloroquine, the Plaquenil, alters the the environment of the inside of the of the cell, the human host cell, and it seems to interfere with the virus's ability to be uh, taken up and and to replicate within the, the the host cell, our cells. It also has an anti-inflammatory effect, and we know that. A big part of this virus's damage to the lungs is a secondary inflammatory response that we mount against what our body perceives to be a foreign invader, which it is. And so then the space between the little air sacs in the lung and the blood vessels that uh, the microscopic blood vessels that carry the blood back to the lungs after it's been cycled through the tissues and we get rid of the carbon dioxide and pick up oxygen that way, that that transfusion, that movement of oxygen and carbon dioxide between the blood vessel and the air sacs, because they have to be pretty close contact, you know, even though they're only a cell or too thick, there still has to be pretty close contact for everything to go back and forth, the gases and the acids and all the things that the lungs get rid of. So it seems to have a double effect. And now there's there are several studies now that are underway. The latest that I saw this week, and there's probably something new because this was in the middle of the week, is from uh, uh, the Department of Nephrology at the Renmin Hospital of Wuhan in Wuhan, China. And by the way, don't fault the doctors for the lack of information that came out of China originally, initially. And, and don't blame the communists because this is just the Oriental, Oriental mind. They they uh, have this face-saving uh, approach to almost everything. I know I'm married to an Oriental woman. And when I say Oriental, I mean uh, Mongolian extract. And you remember the the, the Chinese are mostly Mongolian bloodline, of course, the Manchurians, the Koreans, the Japanese, and the American Indians before the Europeans came. They were the pure Mongolian bloodline. And face-saving is very important. You know, they they don't want to admit that they've done anything wrong uh, it, to the world, to the public. Uh, so it, it's, a, it's a big deal. And I wouldn't blame the Chinese communists I would just blame the culture that's been that way for thousands of years. But the doctors are different, and, you know, they're under pressure to be careful what they say and do. But this has come out, and this is a study from February 4th to February 28th of this year, last month or two months ago. 62 patients uh, who had the COVID virus were diagnosed, and they were admitted to the hospital in Wuhan, and they were put into two groups Uh, 31 received the Plaquenil and 31 did not, and the results were pretty good. Five days of treatment with the Plaquenil, the hydroxychloroquine, and there was a statistically significant difference between the time to uh, total uh, recovery and clearance of the virus. So this is another study. There was one, of course, in France that came out, and uh, there are some started up in the United States So it looks like this helps, and all the infectious disease doctors I know and all the pulmonary guys and gals, they're also using this. And one of my pulmonary buddies, he's actually taking it prophylactically. Prophylactically means that he's taking it just in case he does get the virus to uh, lessen the symptoms. So, uh, And we've been stockpiling this, as I told you guys a few weeks ago. We've, We've been buying 
as much as we can from our wholesaler. Uh, and it's on reserve for when we do start to see a huge number of cases here in the Pinellas County area. By the way, Ken, we had one case at our little hospital. Uh, and this is interesting. 91-year-old woman. She was from New York City, and she told her son she did not want to be quarantined and to drive her to Florida. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so, she came, so she came down here with coronavirus and uh, plopped herself in our ER and then ended up in the intensive care unit. And, of course, her odds of making it were poor. And uh, I, I spoke with the ID doctor who was taking care of her the case, and she said that uh, she refused to use the hydroxychloroquine, the Plaquenil, because it looked hopeless. Her lungs were completely filled up, and she uh, wasn't moving any air at all. And, of course, all this talk about ECMO and respirators and all that. I mean, if you get to a point where where there's just no way to clear out all the debris in the in the lungs, you ain't going to make it. So um, I think that she died the night before last, but I don't, I don't know for sure. I wasn't involved in that case, but that's our first one. And I know Northside has a couple. And I think that, uh, St. Anthony's is, uh, which is one of the bigger hospitals in the St. Petersburg area of, of Tampa Bay. I think that they have a, a wing now that they have dedicated to the, to the coronavirus. So they probably have several more cases than we do. But uh, this is the latest on, on what's going on in our area with coronavirus. Now, remember again, remember this, and you're starting to see it. And you, you remember I was talking about this a month ago, mask, mask, mask. You yes. remember that, Ken? Oh, absolutely. Giving us lessons on how to make them. And, and so now what are, what are they saying? What's the federal government now saying? Put a, Get yeah, a mask. Put a mask on, yeah, if you're going out. Put a mask on. I mean, the, and you, this is... This is just so vital and, and so basic. And, you know, if you don't have a mask, uh, double or triple up a bandana and put it around your mouth and nose when you go out. For God's sakes, cover your mouth, cover your nose. This is an airborne virus. It is not, you are not going to get this unless you stick your finger in a Petri dish of this virus and stick it in your eye or your nose. You're not going to get this by touch. This is not transmitted by touch. This is not an oral fecal transmission. This is a an airborne aerosolized uh, droplet uh, uh, spread virus. And people say, well, I thought droplets fell to the ground. Not if there are five or 10 microns, they don't. They're the size of, of pollen. And some of the droplets are even smaller than pollen. Does pollen float? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, if you have something lighter and smaller than pollen and it's being buffeted about by air currents, it's going to float. And again, you don't know. You may walk down an aisle at the grocery store 10 minutes after some guy who has the virus coughed and sneezed and sprayed all over the place, and you can't see these, these uh, micro droplets. They're invisible to the human eye, and you walk right through it. Guess what? You're infected. Now, whether or not you get sick, that's another story, whether or not you get a, a critical load of the virus, and we're not sure how many varions, how many of the little particles you have to get into your system before you will catch it. And, of course, there's other factors. There's uh, the mucous membranes of the mouth and the nose, uh, whether or not they're well lubricated, whether you got a lot of, of uh, uh, moisture in your oral and nasal cavities, and 
uh, how deeply the uh, the uh, droplets can penetrate and and make contact with the lining of the mouth and the nose, the actual skin. So there's a number of factors, and I guarantee you that if there's you know five million people that are positive uh, in the world with coronavirus, there's 50 million people that have it or are carrying it or got over it. And if there's 100,000 deaths or 200,000 or 500,000 deaths, you know there's four or five times the number of deaths of people who are just staying home and dying at home. So <clears throat> this is not a, a, a touch spread, although you do need to use good hand hygiene and uh, use the hand sanitizer when you go from place to place, wash your hands. But the main thing is to cover your oral and your nasal passages with some kind of a filter some kind of a mask and uh, I'm getting set up here. So I'm going to put a video out and show people how to make a real simple mask. I know there's a bunch of them out there now. A lot of people are doing that. You've been so, doing it for weeks though, doc, you've been way ahead of the curve there. Yeah. Well, you know, finally they catch up with me. Now this guy Fauci, he's got to go. He's, he's a real putz. I mean, he may be a great researcher and a great bureaucrat, and he may be the smartest guy at the CDC and the NIH, but he is not a clinician. He is not in the trenches. He doesn't understand what we need to do. And uh, what he did uh, in telling people not to wear a mask and telling them that it was dangerous and making them focus on hand hygiene is just, uh, uh, I mean, he, 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 needs to be, he needs to be dismissed uh, quietly but immediately. And so I'm, I'm asking President Trump and Vice President Pence to listen to me uh, because I've been telling you what to do for the past three or four weeks. And Fauci needs to go. He needs to go. You need a clinician in charge of the task force. You don't need a researcher. Let him go back to the lab and coordinate the research on this. That's his forte. I think he made his bones doing research on HIV and Corona, not Corona, but uh, Ebola virus and a number of other uh, viruses. And he's probably got his, his name on hundreds and hundreds of papers, uh, research papers. I think he graduated top of his medical school class. We'll take a look at that later in the second half of the show. But I wanted to talk to you uh, about the stimulus package, which is out now. And uh, I'm, I'm real encouraged with this. We have... Uh, applied for this. It is uh, a very, uh, let's see, I, I had this up somewhere. Where did I put that? Let me open that back up. But it's a very, uh, very excellent plan. Of course, these things move slowly because it's the federal government. And as you and I both know, the federal government has its own way and it's a big bureaucracy and it takes time. But I want you to apply as soon as possible uh, the uh, the problem is going to be that they're going to release it in three parts. So the first come first serve will get the uh, will get the first crack at it, and of course you want to get in on that as soon as possible. Now you're talking, yeah, the, excuse me, Doc. You're talking about businesses or people applying for unemployment. Which uh, there are so many plans the out there right now. Yeah, the businesses. Yeah. I'm trying to find. I had my, I had everything up here, and, and now somebody is. I think you messed it up. When, <laughs> when, 
<laughs> it's your fault. Blame me. Sure, I'll take the blame, Doc. <laughs> yeah, it's all on you. So, uh, at any rate, I, I can probably do this from memory. Where are we? <laughs> <laughs> so, we have uh, this program. It's called the Payroll Protection Package Program or something like that, the PPP. Now, the PPP is... Uh, funded with $350 billion by the federal government, the Congress and the, oh, here's something on it. We've got something here to bookkeepers and clients. And this is probably the best way to go, the payroll protection program loans. These are loans that are underwritten by the Small Business Administration. What does that mean? That means that the Small Business Administration, because of the funds that they have received, will be able to... Uh, uh, guarantee these loans. The loans will be through banks that are participating with the SBA, and it will be uh, a program of uh, loans to small businesses and, and even to um, even to contractors and and uh, little sole proprietors, uh, little one man operations. Uh, if you're, by the way, if you're uh, if you're a waiter or a server and you're living mostly on your tips, uh, but you do have a paycheck and, and you are uh, working, you'll be able to get in on this as well. Make sure you keep good records, and we want you to uh, absolutely apply for this. So here's the deal. It is for 500 or less employee companies. So we qualify because we've got about eight or ten people at the most during the season when we're when we're really going at it and it is uh, on a first come first serve basis you have to fill out the forms these forms will then go to uh, your bank and the bank will go through it and make sure everything's there and then they forward it on to the SBA and the SBA will or, or will not approve these the approval for these uh, will depend upon a number of factors you have to use uh, the money primarily for payroll. You can also use it for rent or mortgage payments. You can use it for your utility bills if you have an office or a home office. Um, the payroll will cover not only basic payroll, it'll cover benefits, it'll cover uh, bonuses and commissions, tips. It will cover health care. It will cover uh, health savings accounts. So all these things have to be added into the, into the formula. And the, uh, the ability to, to apply for this is dependent on your efforts. Now, a lot of the accountants are going to help you if you want, and they're charging $750 to $1,000. And this is, uh, this is uh, the... The fee that my accountant has quoted me is $750, which is not bad. Uh, you may be able to do this on your own if you keep your own books. You'll need all of your wages and tax uh, data. You also need to show that you were in business before the first of the year. So if you are an LLC or a corporation or uh, uh, any kind of uh, documented legal entity through your state, uh, then you can go and get your your filing uh, documents. I, I just sent in the uh, 
the Articles of Incorporation for our business, and that's dated from 1996 when we first started the practice here in the area. And so that's uh, that's one thing that you have to have. You also need all of your tax data. You'll need all of your um, your wages information, W-2s, W-4s, 1099s, whatever it is that you uh, have that documents what you have been paid or what you pay your employees. Now, it will be from April 1st of last year to March 31st of this year. So it's the 12-month period, and you have to add up everything, and then you divide that by 12 because it's going to be a month-by-month situation. Multiply that by 2.5, and that's the amount that you will apply for as a loan. And you'll get that loan probably within 30 days, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, We hope that it will come within that time period, Uh, but uh, there's no guarantee of that. Uh, And you say, well, 30 days, I'll probably be broke by then. Well, you know, you're just going to have to tell your banker and and Duke Energy and everybody else you got to wait because you can't squeeze blood out of a turnip. You can't you can't get out of a rock the juices that are not in it. So if you don't have the money, don't panic. Uh, you know, you're not going to go bankrupt. I'm sure the bankruptcy courts are absolutely positively not interested in seeing anybody go bankrupt because they wouldn't be able to handle all the filings that would come flowing in. So this program will not apply if you are running a brothel or a gambling operation or something that's considered, you know, morally unsavory. You're not going to be able to do do that if you're a business uh, that's in that area of activity. Now, is the loan, is it possible to have it forgiven? Yes, it is. If you insurer and you can document that 75% of these funds went to cover payroll. And by the way, if you're a corporation and the corporation employs you as the owner or one of the officers of the corporation, then you're an employee. So your salaries count too. So you can put that in there and you say, well, I don't understand that. How does that work? Well, a corporation is an entity. It's a living entity under law. So once you file your corporate documents with your state, then you uh, have created a living entity in law, and it has a life of its own, independent of you or me. And so that entity then employs you and your officers and your other employees. And so you're an employee, and I have an employment contract with my corporation, and it defines my duties and how much money I'll get. And uh, the wife is also an employee of the corporation, so our salaries go into the into the formula. So that's important to remember that you uh, include your own wages and 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 income and health care and health insurance and health savings accounts, vacation time, paid sick leave. All of that, anything that has to do with compensating you or your employees for the work that you do, include that when you do these these uh, calculations in, in this form and in this formula. And I think you'll you'll come out of this okay. It's not going to be a huge sum of money, and it's only about two or three months initially. Uh, I'm thinking that 
they're hopeful that this will be over and we'll all be back to work by uh, July 4th. But if not, the president has said he's going for a second round. And again, this is a first come, first serve. So get your paperwork in as soon as possible, as soon as possible, so that there's no delay. Because if you don't get it on that first 35% of the money, you're going to have to wait. It's coming down the pipeline. But, you know, you've got a, a huge bureaucracy. I mean, you've got hundreds of thousands of people that work for the federal government. You've got agencies that it has to go through. Uh, the Treasury Department's involved. The executive branch. Uh, Congress has oversight. SBA has to handle this. Now, remember, the SBA has never in its history made the number or the size of, of loans or had this much money in its uh, hands to to work with, to distribute out. And they're not actually distributing the money because the money will come uh, from, the, uh, from the Fed, from the uh, Treasury Department through the Federal Reserve. It'll be allocated as the SBA receives these loan requests and approves them and the banks approve them. So then the bank will say, okay, we've, we've got $5 million, uh, this week that we have committed to. So then the, uh, the Fed will say, okay, we'll check with the SBA. The SBA says, yeah, it's okay. And then the money flows from the Fed to that bank. And what's the interest rate? The interest rate is 1%. Uh, the payback starts in two to three months. But again, uh, you can make interest-only payments. Uh, there'll be uh, some time for this to to percolate, and I believe that the payback period for the final sum is two years. So this will probably be treated like um, an interest-only loan initially. I'm sure that the government will have to mandate that because you know people aren't going to be able to pay uh, the principal back in two or three months. The the revenues aren't going to be there. The the cash flow stops now. Like for our business, uh, we're not a restaurant, we're, we're a medical practice, and we count on insurance money. And, of course, we have to file that, so we have to get all of our data at the end of the day or the end of the week, send that over to our billing company, who then reprocesses it. It goes out to a clearinghouse. They have to clear it. Then it goes to Medicare or whoever's uh, doing Medicare's uh work for them. Those, that's all contracted out to, at the state level or to Blue Cross Blue Shield or Humana or uh, United Healthcare or whoever. And then that has to be processed. So you can imagine that this takes 30 to 60 days to get paid when you see a patient. And if we're expected to pay this loan back at the end of two and a half months or three months, we're not going to have the money coming in to do that yet. So the government's going to have to uh, uh, tweak this a little bit, and and I'm sure they will as we go down the pike. And you also have to consider that you may not be able to repay this. You may go broke. You may go bankrupt. And if you do, then you go bankrupt and you file for bankruptcy. Uh, but uh, try and hang in there and stay in business. And I told our employees that they had the choice of either staying on and working or they could go on uh, unemployment. Unemployment insurance in Florida is not much money. I think the maximum is like $275 a week, but the federal government's kicking in another 600 a week, and that's still gonna be uh, 
little bit less than what they're making. But for some people, that may be the way to go. That may be the way to go. If you're not making that kind of money, you may want to consider that and and take the unemployment insurance. Uh, and of course, I told my employees, I said, look, if you do that, uh, you still have a job when this is all over. So don't panic. Uh, and, and of course, they're saying, does, does that mean you're firing me? No, I'm not firing you. I'm giving you the option of uh, being laid off and and collecting unemployment insurance. Well, what do I do? Well, I, I don't know. You can go home and study or you can uh, uh, come and work for free. I can't pay you because if I pay you, if I put you on the payroll right now, then you'll lose your unemployment benefits or you can choose to stay and we will uh, guarantee that you'll be paid for the next two months anyway, which is two and a half months, which is the money that we're going to have coming from the federal government, hopefully as soon as possible. So we've got a big problem going on. But we do have solutions, and I'm confident that we're going to make it through this morass. Uh, I want to reassure you guys that no matter what happens, we're going to make it. And as I've said before, uh, even if a million people die from this, you're talking about one-third of one percent of the American population, which is not a big deal. Yes, it will pull at the heart, tug at the heartstrings of a lot of people. But uh, you know what? A few years from now, nobody's going to remember that a million people died. Uh, but what we will remember is that if we overwhelm our health care system and we have 10% of our doctors and nurses die or become disabled become, because of this, we're going to be in a, in a world of hurt, you know, because we not only are treating coronavirus, we've got appendicitis. And I saw a consult yesterday or the day before, I can't remember, uh, a lady came in, and she'd been in a car accident. Interesting situation. Initially, she said, I'm fine. I'm going home. She came back uh, later in the day and said she had belly pain. And so uh, she was admitted, and the CAT scan showed that she had a hot appendix. So she needs her appendix out. Well, after she talked with the anesthesiologist, the guy that's going to put her to sleep for the for the surgery. Everybody has to go in and do their little H&P and, and, you know, it's a good double check. It's a good uh, check and balance system to make sure that we don't miss anything. She had a panic attack, which she has had before. And along with this, she hyperventilated, got tight in the chest, had chest pain. They called uh, a rapid response, which is below the level of a code. It's kind of like, a, let's head it off before it gets any worse. Worked her up, didn't find anything. Her heart enzymes were negative and but complicating the situation is she said, well, I had a heart attack in the past. I'm like, what do you mean you had a heart attack? Well, the doctor said that my heart enzymes went up. Well, one of the enzyme tests we use to see if there's heart damage is super sensitive, and it goes up if you sneeze. And I said, well, did they do a heart catheterization? That's where they thread the little tube into the arteries around your heart and squirt dye in there. And we look at that with the uh, live video camera and also tape it and she said no my arteries were wide open i'm thinking you didn't have a heart attack you probably just had a virus or something so at any rate <clears throat> i'm asked to clear her and tell the surgeon that it's okay to take out the appendix and that her heart's all right and of course i did and we've got an ultrasound of her heart too by the way and her heart looks good there's nothing wrong with it maybe a little thick from high blood pressure but uh, so we cleared her. 
But these are the kinds of things that are ongoing. So you got to get the appendix out and somebody's got to do it. And my surgeon friend who was taking it out, I saw him the day before yesterday and he said that they want me to do a tracheostomy, which is where you, you cut a little uh, opening into the throat right below the Adam's apple and stick a tube down into the airway to make it easier for people to breathe when they have bad lung problems. And apparently the patient that he was asked to do this on uh, had what looked like uh, coronavirus, but it turned out to be influenza A and B pneumonia, and the lungs were just filled up with, with crap, and she couldn't breathe, or he couldn't breathe. And so, and he said, you know what, <clears throat> I'm not going to risk my OR staff uh, and expose them to more right now. This lady is still doing okay on the ventilator, and she can wait. And uh, and so you see the problems that we're having. We have to start triaging, allocating, protecting, because it's not just the doctors and the nurses. We have OR staff. We have ancillary staff. We have nurses' aides. We have people cleaning the hospitals. We have kitchen workers. And, you know, it's a big plethora. It's a big group of people throughout the country. And I've said this in years past, that this is one of the biggest industries in the country is healthcare. And we're at ground zero. We're the ones that are going to be exposed to the coronavirus. So we have to be protective of our people, not because we think we're better than you, as my sister likes to uh, imply that I'm saying when I try to talk to her about being a doctor and the differences of, of being a doctor and a, and a layman and what all's involved and why we're treated differently, why we have different laws and rules that we have to live by, on and on and on, because you need us. And as I told my neighbors, we were out having a few Coronas or Heinekens, I can't remember which, the other night. And, uh, you know, uh, I was saying to them, you know, I don't care if I live or die. I've had a great life. What are you talking about? If I drop dead tomorrow, not only am I not going to know it, but I'll have no regrets. But you will. (laughs) You're going to regret it because I'm one of those unusual characters in medicine who can do a number of things, including intubate handle a respirator, take care of heart problems. Uh, I know men, most of the medications. Um, I communicate, communicate well with the nurses. I know how to coordinate uh, all of the things that need to be done in an intensive care setting. No, I'm not as well trained as the younger guys that are specializing in critical care. But, you know, in a crisis, you're going to need me. So please don't shoot me. <laughs> Don't go yeah. anywhere, Doc. We want you to hang around for a few yeah, more don't years. Shoot okay? me. <laughs> well, I'm going to go somewhere right now. I'm going to go to the restroom, and then I'm going to go get me another cup of Joe. I'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. No, 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 no. You never know what the world is going to show you. It ain't up to you. You always think it's going to happen to another person, and it's never, ever going to happen to you. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. A warm, sunny weather beckoning across Europe. Authorities are admonishing people to strictly follow social distancing regulations and stay at home. Help slow the spread of the coronavirus. Queen Elizabeth II appealing to Britons today to exercise self-discipline and quote, an increasingly challenging time. As the country saw a record 24-hour jump in deaths in hard-hit Italy, top officials took to national TV to scold residents after photos are published showing huge crowds out shopping in Naples, Rome, and Genoa. 
Right, uh, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin continues working remotely and will do so at least for another week amid the pandemic. Spokesman Dmitry Peskov says Putin and those working with him are being tested regularly and they are fine. And President Trump talked to many U.S. pro sports leaders yesterday about the impact of the virus as he hopes games will begin again soon. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Do you currently get regular structured settlement or annuity payments from an insurance company for a personal injury, auto accident claim, wrongful death, or inheritance? If so, you don't have to wait for months or even years to get the cash you need now to cover urgent expenses like debts, tuition, medical bills, or exciting events like a new baby or down payment on a home. With over 25 years' experience, J.G. Wentworth, the country's leader in structured settlement purchasing, has helped thousands of people get the cash they need. Call today at 800 741 We offer flexible options that pay you a lump sum of cash for a portion of your payments, ensuring you get the money you need now while still receiving future payments from your structured settlement or annuity. And unlike others, J.G. Wentworth is a direct funder and can streamline the process, helping you get the lump sum of cash you need faster. For your free cash now quote, call 800-741-5929. That's 800-741-5929. 800-741-5929. Take AM860, The Answer, with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Dennis Prager believes we are in a huge dilemma. Whatever your beliefs about the virus, we are all confronted with the identical dilemma. Do we ruin the economy or do we ruin it in order to prevent something that might happen? The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon on AM860, The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. For today, a mix of clouds with a couple of afternoon showers, high 76. Tonight, periods of rain with a low 63. Warmer tomorrow with clouds and sun. An afternoon shower at a few spots, high 85. Clearing Monday night with a low 66. For Tuesday, sunshine and some clouds, high getting up to 86. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. Get on back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and we're coming at you on AM860, The Answer. I'm at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600, talking 
of course, about coronavirus, but more uh, uh, more pointedly this morning about the Paycheck Protection Program, which was passed by Congress, $350 billion, and the president signed it immediately. Uh, this gives funding or makes funding available through the uh, an underwritten program by the Small Business Administration and your banks uh, for uh, covering your expenses for two to three months uh, that are business-related expenses. That in includes your, your payroll, uh, your rent, or your mortgage payment, uh, your utilities, and certain other things that come in and qualify. Uh, by the way, I did find my form. The form that you will need if you are a small business and you are applying or you want to apply is the Paycheck Protection Program. And this is the borrower application form. Go to the Small Business Administration website, and uh, they should have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, of uh, windows to click that you can get into and print this form. It's a two-page form, and then there's a couple of pages of explanation. You'll need uh, certain things such as your your payroll information and your tax returns on that. Uh, you'll 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 need your your uh, proof of, of the date that you started your business. You will need uh, uh, to fill out the application and attest that you're not a criminal and that you don't have any small business administration loans outstanding. Uh, and you have to say what your business is. Uh, you you have to uh, put in your corporate documents uh, to show that, that you were uh, in business at a certain time. And I think that's before April or before January 1st of this year, but I'm not sure January, February, you can look that up. And you have to attest that it's necessary that, oh, it's before February 15th, 2020, uh, that you had to be in business, you had to have employees for whom you paid salaries and payroll taxes or paid independent contractors on a 1099 <clears throat> and get all that information together. Send that in. That goes to your bank. Make sure your bank is participating in the Small Business Administration program and the things that that you will need to do are spelled out in the uh, Small Business Administration final notice on that. That's the 13 CFR Part 120 Business Loan Program Temporary Changes Paycheck Protection Program. If you Google that, uh, you'll get the interim final rules and find out what you need to do. I can give you the skinny on that if you want. Uh, am I eligible? You are if you have fewer than 500 employees. If they're employed in the United States, working in the United States, and they're U.S. citizens, or uh, I don't even think you have to be a U.S. citizen. You just have to be working in the United States. Uh, so 500 or less. You have to be a small business as defined by the uh, Small Business Small Business Administration. Tax exempt organizations can get in on this. You have to be in operation before February 15th. Uh, and if you're an individual who operates under a sole proprietorship or an independent contractor, you're eligible. You can get in on this. You need your 1099s. You need your payroll tax filings, your payroll processor records, 
uh, all the things that you need for income tax, and you will also need to show that. So the bank wanted a profit and loss and a balance sheet for the end of the year and also year to date. So if you have an accountant or a bookkeeper that does that for you, get, get that runoff, you'll need that. You need your bank records. You need to show that you are legitimate, that you have paid this, the wages and the salaries, that you uh, do have a balance sheet uh, so that it can be seen where you're spending the money and what percentage of your money is spent on rent or utilities or mortgage or uh, employee uh, payroll and benefits. And again, the benefits are included in the payroll. That includes health insurance, health savings accounts, paid sick leave, paid time off, um, bonuses, all that. Make sure you include every single little thing. Now, if you're engaged in any illegal activity, you're not able to get it. Uh, you can't get it if you have 20% or more equity that's uh, held by somebody that's in prison or on probation or parole or is presently subject to an indictment. So if you have a partner that has 20% or more of your company that is a bad boy or a bad girl, whoops, you can't get it. And you have to uh, be clean cut. And if you've had a recent uh, director guaranteed loan from the SBA or any other federal agency that is delinquent, then you can't get this. And how do you determine if you're eligible? You go and you look at all the things that you have to do. And then under the PPP, the maximum amount of the loan is the lesser of 10 million or an amount that you calculate. And I told you how to do that. It's going to be 12 months of payroll added up, divide by 12, um, and then throw in their rent and uh, utilities and anything else you can think of. Uh, divide by 12, multiplied by 2.5, and that'll be the amount you can apply for. So get your 12 months. And oh, by the way, this is only up to $100,000. So if you're a high income earner like I am, uh, I'm not going to get anything over a hundred thousand and thrown into the mix. So you have to take that first hundred thousand. And if you're making 200,000, well, that second hundred thousand, you're not going to get anything, uh, from the government on that. Now, if you've gotten an economic injury disaster loan earlier uh, this year, then, uh, you can pay back that with this money, but you have to include all of that in there. So there's formulas, and they show you how to do it. But uh, again, it might just be easier to get your accountant. They're charging $750 to $1,000 to do this. Payroll costs include compensation to employees in the form of salary, wages, commissions, or similar compensation. Cash tips are the equivalent. Uh, it can be payment for vacation, parental, family, medical, or sick leave allowances for separation or dismissal, payment for the provision of employee benefits consisting of group health coverages, including insurance premiums, retirement, payment of state and local taxes assessed on compensation, and, and for independent contractors or sole proprietors, wages, commissions, incomes, earnings, self-employment, or other such compensation. So basically throw everything you can in there. What does it exclude? Anybody who is outside of the United States, uh, compensation of an employee whose principal place of residence is outside the United States, you can't include them. 
uh, anything in excess of 100,000. Uh, federal employment taxes imposed or withheld between January 15th and June 30th, including the employees and employers share of FICA, that's the Federal Insurance Contribution Act, that's your Social Security and Railroad Retirement Acts, and income taxes required to be withheld from employees, qualified sick and family leave wages for which a credit is allowed under certain sections of the federal code. So there's a few things that you can't do, uh, but there's a lot that you can do, and the maturity date, again, is two years. The interest rate is 1%. Uh, they'll string this out to 10 years under certain special uh, circumstances. No, you can only apply for one loan. Uh, yes, you can e-sign or e-consent. Uh, you're supposed to start making payments in two to three months. It'll probably be interest only, though. And can it be forgiven in whole or part? Yes, the amount of the loan forgiveness can be up to the full principal amount of the loan and any interest accrued, so interest and principal that you owe, uh, that you will not be responsible for as long as 75% of the money goes to paying employees, payroll. So that's the deal. So make sure you do that. And 25%, uh, if it's attributed to non-payroll costs that are allowed, like rent, mortgage payment, uh, interest payments, uh, um, utilities, the things, the basic things that you need to stay open as a business. So that's the deal. And you can do this. And the sooner you get in on this, the better, the faster. Okay? So make sure that you get this form downloaded today. Get on the stick and get this dang thing in so you get some money. Again, they're letting it go in, in dribbles, so it's 35% of the money is out, so the first third are going to go now, and then it'll be um, another third that will be released in the, in the near future, and then another third at the end of, I'm guessing, the month. Uh, and so the faster, the sooner, the better, and we got ours in yesterday. Uh, I called my accountant once I heard on the news that it was opening up April 1st and we yesterday or the day before, no, it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday, Ken. We were on the stick, bro. I mean, we were moving. That's the way to go. Get That's in the early because a lot of folks are going to be applying. All right. So now I'm going to shift gears for the last few minutes. Anthony Fauci, I'm sure he's a great guy. Top of his class. He was born December 24th, 1940. He's a New Yorker. Um, Catholic side of the family, uh, Italian Catholic. So, you know, he's got food and guilt down pat. Now, the, uh, the Jewish side of the family has food and guilt, too. But the Jewish side of the family has a little more guilt and not as good a food. The Italian side of the family has the better food and not quite as much guilt. But if you are Italian and Jewish, you have my sympathies. Uh, my father was Jewish. My mother was Polish Catholic, so it wasn't quite as bad, but I know that feeling. So this guy uh, got interested in public health. He was at the top of his class, and uh, he made his bones in public health. He joined the uh, NIH and the National Institute of Health in 1968 as a clinical association in the Laboratory of Clinical Investigation in the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease. So he's a 
he's an allergist and infectious disease guy. <clears throat> and my dad was an allergist and immunologist, but he was in practice. So Fauci has done important scientific uh, observations that contribute to the understanding of our immune system. Uh, and he understands a lot of immunosuppression, immunosuppression and immunosuppressive agents and how we respond to that. Uh, he's done work for formerly fatal diseases like polyarteritis nodosa and other autoimmune diseases that used to kill people. Um, he's gotten tons of awards. He's worked on HIV and how that destroys the body's defense systems uh, and the expression of some of the bad actors in the, in the bloodstream like cytokines. He's been working on a vaccine for HIV. He got involved with the Ebola virus crisis. So he's had a lot of experience and, uh, you know, he's a smart guy. There's no doubt about it. He's very articulate and um, he's a nice guy. He married a nurse in 1985 at the NIH. And, uh, you know, you can't say anything negative about him as a human being. Uh, dad, researcher, bureaucrat, politician, good guy all the way around. The wrong guy for this job at this time. He's the wrong guy, okay? Why? Well, as you know, Ken, I was talking about masks a month ago when he was telling people not to wear a mask, that they were dangerous, and that it just encouraged you to touch your face, and you might get the virus in your eyes or your nose if you pick your nose after you dip it in a Petri dish. Come on! This is not contact spread. The only contact spread that we know of for sure, is in hospital settings where doctors and nurses are working closely with patients with the coronavirus who are coughing and hacking away, and you're starting IV lines and intubating and performing procedures on them, and you're exposed to bodily fluids, and you contact that, and then and we think, uh, you know, we don't have any direct uh, proof, we just have clinical proof that you may touch your eye, rub your eye, or rub your nose and get the virus that way. But 99% of this is airborne. It is a respiratory virus, so it's spread by coughing and sneezing. So I was talking about Dr. Fauci early on and saying this is wrong. Hey, by the way, you know, I told you I got a call from the medical director at our hospital a few weeks ago because I was running around telling everybody to put on a mask. And he's telling me, no, you can't do that. The, 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 the CDC and our corporation says not to do that. Well, now guess what, Ken? Everybody has to wear a mask in the hospital. I saw the assistant administrator yesterday, and he had on a mask, and he says, yeah, I'm wearing it everywhere. And I said, you know, I've been talking about this for a month. He says, yeah, I know. I've been listening to the show. And, uh, you know, I thought that that was a nice uh, kudo from him. But I'm asking Dr. Fauci to please step down. And I'm asking President Trump and Vice President Pence to ask Dr. Fauci to please step down. We don't need a researcher in charge of this. We're in a clinical crisis. We need a clinician. We need somebody who understands how a house is built. We need somebody who understands how a mask is constructed. We need somebody who has looked at the data, like me, on the size of droplets that are expelled when a man sneezes or coughs, the velocity, the size of these little projectiles, and by the way, they're about 50 to 100 microns normally, uh, with a really forceful cough from a, a, a big guy, big strong guy like Ken, 
you may see down to five microns. And you say, well, the pores in the cotton mask are, are bigger than that. Well, if you have three layers and you have a good tight weave, and if, even if you put a filter in there, you can, you can certainly cut down uh, tremendously. And remember that that's not going to go straight through. And remember that those droplets are not moving at 40 miles an hour if you're just walking down the, the, uh, the aisles. Say that louder, Ken. <laughs>